After my relationship, my partner and I would just have these really awful fights, completely nuclear. And I just thought this was a normal part of life. And I did not understand until one day I started Googling and read about the symptoms of PMDD and went, oh my God, that's me. I don't have to live like this. Hi everyone and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where we are determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. We're going to touch a topic that's affecting many women today, honestly, as early as puberty in the early teenage years and going all the way through perimenopause and right before menopause. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but we're going to be talking about PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is a really severe form of PMS. And I'm so happy to be highlighting this condition because I think like many conditions that affect women's health, we don't talk about them enough, or we think we are supposed to suffer in silence, or my favorite phrase, you're supposed to power through. Joining me today to dig into this is Shalene Gupta. She is a reporter whose work has appeared in The Atlantic, ESPN, Fortune, Fast Company, and Harvard Business Review, amongst many other places. She holds a BA in Creative Writing and Psychology from Hopkins and an MS from Columbia Journalism School. But she is the author of The Cycle, Confronting the Pain of Periods in PMDD, and co-author of The Power of Trust. She was awarded a Fulbright scholarship and is a graduate of the Columbia Journalism School and John Hopkins University. She lives today in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Welcome to the show, Shalene. Thanks for having me, Dr. Tao. So happy to be here. Yes, uh, we are thrilled you're here. What in the world inspires you to go deep and dig into the world of PMDD? Well, I have PMDD. And for the longest time, I did not realize that A, I had PMDD and that B, PMDD was even a thing. So for years, right before my period, I would just spiral and kind of have breakdowns, you know, depression, anxiety, and it got particularly terrible when I got into a long-term relationship. Before then, I could mask it. After my relationship, my partner and I would just have these really awful fights, mm. completely nuclear. And I just thought this was a normal part of life. And I did not understand until one day I started Googling um, and read about the symptoms of PMDD and went, oh my God, that's me. I don't have to live like this. You know, this resonates so much. And for those of you watching and listening, we really want you to learn about PMDD and maybe even what you can do about it. But I meet patients every day whose relationships are like this, right? They're teetering, they're on the brink of disruption. And I remember just last week, I met a young woman, she's probably about 34, 35, and she was like, I have one good week out of the month. I'm either in pain, about to be in pain, and I always start a fight with my boyfriend over some of the dumbest things possible, and then it escalates. and after that happens over and over and over again, then your partner's kind of like, 
I don't need this. I'm, you know, this is ridiculous. What's happening? What's wrong with you? You're mental, you're crazy, you're bipolar. Actually, this patient looked at me and she was like, I seriously think I'm bipolar, you know, and I don't know if that mimics what your experience was, but you know, how, what was your journey in being like, okay, I'm, I'm having fights constantly to, there might be something wrong with my hormones. It's exactly as you said, I was having these really intense fights with a partner and I'm pretty even keeled and calm when I'm not on PMDD episodes. And I, I pride myself on an ability to be fair. Um, and then all of a sudden during these fights, I could not respect myself afterwards. Like the issue at hand may have been something that started from a kernel of like, this is something genuinely not okay. But the process was horrible. And after six years, my partner sat me down. He's like, I can't take this. We're done. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started dating someone new. And, you know, at that point, I had realized that I could predict a fight within one or two days of accuracy. I'd look at my calendar. Okay, my period's coming up. And I'd sit my boyfriend down and say, we're going to fight. And, you know, we were both, we loved each other. We were calm, caring people when I wasn't PMDDing. So we would really try to hash it out and you know go to therapy, couples therapy, what are strategies? It never worked. Um, and then when I met my, my current partner, my now husband, mm -hmm. um, it was like, okay, this is a second chance. This man is so calm. This is not gonna happen again. Um, some of the issues of like long distance, um, personality differences that were present in the older relationship weren't there. And that's when I really had that come to God moment of, this is me. This is wow. a me issue. And I think it's really hard to have that because we're not just, we're not educated on the fact that PMDD is a thing. Mental health is so stigmatized that mm -hmm. you start thinking of your personal burden instead of, I need to go to my doctor. There's treatment and there's help. Definitely. And I'm so glad you're calling, you know, attention to this issue because not just my patients, but so many people I meet, you know, end up, and I'm sure this might've been your journey. I don't know, but you know, go down this road of one anxiety medication after another, one depression medication after another, multiple psychiatric visits, and they do get labels. They get diagnoses and they get labels, but those labels are usually not PMDD because we again have this issue in healthcare where we're not thinking about the body as a whole. We're thinking about it, you know, in chopped up parts. So, you know, for so many women who suffer from PMDD, which remember guys is a really severe form of PMS. It's impacting your mental health. Women describe it to me as rage or depression or anger or severe, severe anxiety, not being functional, not being able to hold down a job or a relationship, you know, there are answers and we really want to get that information out to people that, you know, before you blow up your life, you know, I've been going blue in the face saying this before you blow up your life, get your hormones checked, you know, because there could absolutely be something there. How, how did you go about wanting to write the book? Like what, what did you uncover as a reporter, as somebody who's very investigative, I would imagine, what did you uncover you know, as you were writing the book and as you were putting this information about our cycles and our mental health and all these other pieces together. Yeah. Well, it, the book first started with just this desire to, um, well, first it was a desire to never talk about this again, because I'd spent so much of my life masking. Hmm. Um, and there's a lot of shame around this, especially with, um, you know, high powered, well-functioning woman. A lot of the people I interviewed and were like, this, this could affect my job or my life if this gets out. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, on the other hand, there were also just so many misconceptions about PMDD out there. And because you have a population that, that's really desperate, right? Um, it feels like we're particularly vulnerable to, to whatever we hear that could work. Um, so as I went along talking to researchers, um, you know, there was everything from this is not real, you're making this up, to, you know, try this treatment, which might be really, really harmful. And it was just really helpful to, to track sort of the evolution of the research and understand what PMDD was. Where's the research today? What are you seeing, you know, as you followed sort of this particular diagnosis? Where's the research headed towards? Is it evolving? And I can speak to clinical practice, and I always feel like there's a big disconnect between research and clinical practice. I always feel like what we're seeing in the exam room is way ahead of what's actually happening in the lab. But I'm curious to see what, what you're finding in the research world. So one of the major breakthroughs um, in PMDD research was um, there's this thought that it's it's a problem with your hormone levels. And that's not actually true. PMDD is actually an abnormal reaction to normal hormone changes. So when they suppressed ovulation um, in people who, who have PMDD, they found that their, their mood swings went away. Um, so something that a lot of people um, kind of fall into is they spend a ton of money on getting their hormone levels tested when actually the, it's not the hormone levels. It's, it's the change of hormones that you're reacting badly to. And sort of the next wave is, um, so about 90% of people do re respond well to PMDD treatment as long as they're on the right one, which is tricky, as you mentioned, Dr. Taz, because people get put on a cocktail of different things. Um, but the next issue is researchers are trying to distinguish between the different types of PMDD because just as it is with cancer, um, it's not sort of a one size fits all, you know, a textbook um, issue and what might work for one patient may not work for another one. And that's also where we're seeing confusion and vulnerability. Absolutely. So I'm going to push back on something about the hormones because I work with women and their hormones day in and day out and tons of patients with PMDD as well. And one of the patterns that we have consistently seen with PMDD is excessive spikes of estrogen or big depletions in progesterone. And the fractionation, like the, the big gap between those two particular hormones is the reason why that sort of switch clicks on and clicks off and clicks on and clicks off in certain women. So part of it when we're taking on sort of a holistic approach to, to PMDD is yes, dealing with the reactivity to the hormone change, but understanding the hormone change is a massive spike or a massive depletion, which is triggering this, you know? And so this is where, again, clinic, clinical work versus research work, that's the gap that, you know, people like me are continually fighting and trying to bring more awareness about, because we do see where women, you know, do respond to balancing their hormones. And the whole fallacy of checking your hormones has to be expensive. That's simply not true. You know, you can check your hormones through LabCorp. You can check them through Quest. They can be covered by insurance. You know, it doesn't have to be a heroic effort, but women do need to understand. They have a responsibility to understand what their hormone levels are doing. And me as a mom of a young girl, you know, a 16 year old girl, same thing for her. Like I want her to understand what her hormone levels are doing. So she has some control over that. And if that's not enough, then you move on, you know, to other ways of treating and managing the emotional reactivity and things like that. So, you know, so I think that's just something that 
from our world that we've seen play out over and over again, just from the, the clinic and, you know, from, from the research standpoint, there continues to be this push for whatever reason that you don't need to check your hormones. And as someone who's just written a whole book on the hormone shift, that's one that like, I'm like, we have to understand these shifts. We have to understand these shifts in hormones and we have to know the direction they're going in. I'm not saying it's the entire puzzle, but it's definitely a very, very important piece of the puzzle. What ultimately got you relief with your PMDD and, and overall symptoms? What kind of brought you to, to a more stable place? Yeah, absolutely. And Dr. Taz, I just want to acknowledge and thank you for pushing back because um, I'm, I'm so not a clinician and I'm not the yeah, person yeah. Yeah. this conversation. And this is about PMDD awareness. Um, so I feel like if we sit here debating, like it's, you have clinical experience, I don't, um, but I do want to say that there was a major study that was done about how it's a big uh, reaction to changes in hormones. And so I'm excited to see you talk with, you know, someone who, um, who has a greater depth than I do. Um, but going in terms of, you know, what ended up working yeah. for me, it was very simply, you know, an SSRI. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I was lucky in that, um, you know, I come from a family where, it's very like no treatments until unless you're bleeding, like or on oh, the edge of death. Yeah, yeah. So I think I was really lucky in that I didn't have to go through a cocktail of different things. And then when I needed help, um, something pretty basic was really helpful for me. I'm on floxetine. Mm -hmm. I take it um, two weeks out of the month, um, right when I'm during the luteal phase, which is the second half of my period. Yeah. Um, and that's that's made my life so much better. I also am lucky in that I think I have fairly uncomplicated PMDD. It's the textbook case. Not everyone has that. What's a more complex in kind of the work you did? What is like for anybody listening to us, what is the, a more complex case of PMDD look like? What have you seen out there? Yeah. So sometimes, you know, people aren't responding to, you know, the simple, uh, you know, I'm taking Prozac and that doesn't work. Um, and that might be a variety of things. We're still, you know, doctors, researchers are trying to figure out what are the different types. Um, there are theories that people are responding differently to different um, hormones. So some people are more sensitive to progesterone mm -hmm. surges and the change in progesterone. Other people are more sensitive to the change um, in estrogen, right? Um, and so because we can't quite target that and know that like specifically, that's a complication. There's also another one where there's something called premenstrual exacerbation. And that means you have an underlying condition and this could be, um, you know, it could be physical like asthma. It could also mm -hmm. be like anxiety. Um, and that's where that condition also needs to be treated. And then the exacerbation on top of that needs to be treated as well. And at the moment, premenstrual exacerbation is not its own diagnosis. There's mm -hmm. not a whole lot known about that. So there's some theories that the people who are not responding to sort of that less complex, you know, take a birth control or take um, fluoxetine, have the premenstrual exacerbation and there's something else going on, which might be, you know, an underlying bipolar or anxiety. Interesting. You know, one of the things that's been really interesting in practice too is a lot of this, um, we, we sort of are sympathetic. I don't know if this is fair to say that we're kind of sympathetic to the young woman with PMDD, I think, like with the teenager with PMDD or a woman in her 20s with it. I feel like we're a little bit more sympathetic there. But 
a population that gets missed is, you know, postpartum. I think that's actually a massive change in depletion of hormones. And a lot of what we're labeling as postpartum, I think actually overlaps with PMDD. I think there's a very similar sort of physiology happening there. And then the woman in perimenopause, because what we're seeing in the transition from perimenopause to menopause, again, you have a change, you have a hormone shift, right? Whether that is the storage of too much estrogen or the depletion of estrogen or the depletion of progesterone, whichever one it is, and there's an androgen component to it as well, um, wherever these hormones are going, those women also experience, you know, these very similar symptoms of PMDD, which then starts to creep into you know, bipolar, severe anxiety, depression, like some of these other mental health diagnoses. And it's also where if you look from a timing standpoint, the divorce rate is pretty significant as women cross into their 40s, right? That's a massive peak in divorce. And then there's another, actually that whole decade, I should say, is a decade of you see increasing divorce rates. And we don't want to blame everything on hormones and definitely not everything on the woman because men have their own story going as well. But but there is this weird correlation between the hormones shifting and a lot of these relationships like starting to crumble or starting to have a lot of issues. And I don't think we talk enough about what a hormone shift looks like for your mental health and how you present yourself in a relationship, whether you're 13 and it's okay because you've just hit puberty or you're in your early 20s because you know maybe you're stressed and you've got a lot going on in life but it's also equally important when you've had a child, when you're entering your forties, when you're entering menopause, there's still an undercurrent of a similar physiology that's happening that I think women are not being educated on, right? So we spend a lot of time like blaming everybody else or pointing fingers at other things rather than kind of being a little bit reflective and being like, wait, like, I love your line. Like, it's me, you know, I'm the prize, like that Taylor Swift song, I'm the problem. um, But anyhow, so I think that, you know, when we talk about awareness of PMDD, it's really across the spectrum. And that's a lot of, you know, how we need to be thinking about our health. It's across the spectrum. We are fluid and shifting and changing and we're going to shift. That's a given, but we should be able to navigate a shift with ease and comfort and not having these extremes. Where do you think you've landed today? Where do you feel like you are now kind of in your life and in your relationships and all those other good things? I mean, I think I'm at a place where I've really started to think about the connection between my body and my mind, because I think I grew up in a system where it's really it's really separated, right? And if you look back at philosophy, there's almost this idea that um, not being in control of your actions and your character and your mood is is a moral problem, and it's not related to your body, right? Um, yeah, and so you know, I I wish I could comment more on postpartum and and menopause. Um, I focused solely on PMDD, right? I know, and but, I understand that, yeah. But there is, um, there's this entire link of how are our hormones impacting our moods and sort of what are the biomarkers underlining that? And I think there's so much, well, first of all, we live in a sexist society where the expectations for women are just really hard to hit. They're really impossible and they're not supposed to be angry and there's a lot to be angry about. And then second of all, you know, women's hormones are just completely under-researched. 
and there's not enough education, there's not enough knowledge about this. And, you know, even at the research level, there's not that many people looking at the connection between mood um, and hormones. And so the study just came out, which I did a story on about, it's from Dr. Tori Eisenlauer Moll's lab in University of Illinois, Chicago. And she's one of the, the few um, hormone mood researchers. And it shows that suicidal ideation is linked to certain times during the menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And that sort of varies depending on who you are. Um, but across the individual, you get a pattern. Um, so this went viral on Twitter and Twitter was like, yeah, we know that. We've lived that. <laughs> been um, there. <laughs> we've been there, right? And so you yeah. get all this data, but it's still making its way through the literature and then through the medical textbooks and into clinician offices and then into just the public consciousness of, oh, you know, something might be up with my body. This yeah. might not be that I'm a bad person. No. And and I think it's so important for women to understand that. You know, similarly, I think that there was a study out last week or the week before, and I don't remember the researcher, but it was talking about, and I was so, so excited because again, I'm seeing the stuff in the exam room, but it's different when there's an actual study. So it was talking about the link between PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, it's a hormone pattern where the androgens are high, like DHT and free testosterone and testosterone. The link between that and mood disorders in women, not just again, 13 through 30, but actually showing up as mood and mental health disorders and cognitive dysfunction in women entering perimenopause and menopause. So again, that continuum that, that we as women experience and they were blaming it on androgens, right? So we're a long line of PCOS women in our family down to my 16 year old. And trust me, that androgen rage is real and you definitely see it, you know, as the period's approaching and progesterone drops and the androgens have an opportunity to flare, like the mood swings and the anger and all that other stuff. So I was super excited about that because I know that's a condition, first of all, that doesn't get talked about enough. And then secondly, connecting it to mental health and cognitive function, I think was such a win for women. So I love that women everywhere are talking about it more. I love that you're in this space and digging in and trying to bring awareness to this issue. What is your hope from as a reporter and also from a research standpoint, and even as just a woman, what are you, where are you hoping we'll shift to in the future? You know, I hope that everyone can get the help that they need, whatever that might look like. Because one thing that really broke my heart is when I dug into the history of PMDD, there was a big debate about whether or not this is real. And a lot of that was just rooted in the environment and the atmosphere of, you know, the 1980s and the 1970s, where there was this really huge struggle for women's rights. And it was very understandable that feminists were concerned about this diagnosis undercutting the credibility of women. And, you know, today when I'm still interviewing people, um, there's a hesitance to talk about this. Is it going to cost me Mm. my job? Um, are people not going to give me that promotion? And I want a world where you can get help. You can be open about the issues that, that you have, and it's not going to cost you anything. I mean, we have tech bros in Silicon Valley all the time doing things that could be seen as unhinged no, and they're kidding. powerful yeah. and respected. So yeah. let's have that thing too, where, you know, you can be who you are and it's not going to be, oh, you know, you're you're not credible. You're crazy. We don't believe Yeah. You. I think that we're fighting generations of sort of conditioning where the archetype of 
the angry woman or the raging woman, regardless of her age, to be honest, is, is just so looked down on and not held up, you know, as, as something to be empathetic towards or, or sympathetic towards more of just like, oh my God, she's crazy. She's nuts. You know, she's bipolar. Like we say these things very flippingly. Right. So, you know, hopefully there, we can at least help people understand that, that there's usually a root cause to some of those things and that maybe somebody needs help, you know, and that, that would be to me a step in the right direction for sure. Um, well, if someone wants to dig into all the work you've done and understand more of it, where would you direct them? What's a great way to find the book or connect with you or any of those types of things? Well, my book, The Cycle, Confronting the Pain of Periods and PMDD, is out on February 27th, wherever Ooh, books are sold. Awesome. And I'd also recommend going to the IAPMD website, which is the International Association of Premenstrual Disorders. They have great resources. Awesome. Well, Shaleen, thank you so much for joining us today. I love hearing women's stories, understanding your journey, and I love that you've like devoted yourself to this field. I think that's incredible. So if you're out there and if you're suffering from PMDD or you may have someone you know who's suffering from PMDD, then please direct them to this episode of the podcast and to Shaleen's book. Uh, we need all the information out there that we can possibly get. And thank you again for joining me and for everybody else. Thank you for listening and watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Remember, you can rate and review it on your favorite podcast supplier, whether it's Apple, iTunes, or Spotify. You just have to screenshot your review and email it to hello at drtaz.com, and I'll send you a free bottle of Boost or Lush Locks, your choice. I will see you guys next time. Thanks, Dr. Taz. <laughs>